Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Most are afraid of unknown depths, skirting shores thinking world flat. I'm with the island girls in celebration of new religion. Nobody led me or said this way. I sailed alone on makeshift raft with wind as companion. Fate for deliverance, confidence enough to assess new disposition. Seekers of lost paradise may seem fools to those who never sought the other worlds. Welcome to Momentary Zen with Zen Garcia. Visit www.fallenangels.tv. You're listening to Revolution Radio. And ye take ye the likeness thereof from the fig tree. So soon as the shoot thereof is come forth and the twigs grown, the end of the world shall come. And I, Peter, answered and said unto him, Interpret unto me concerning the fig tree whereby we shall perceive it. For throughout all its days doth the fig tree send forth shoots, and every year it bringeth forth its fruit for its master. What then meaneth the parable of the fig tree? We know it not. And the master Lord answered and said unto me, Understandest thou not that the fig tree is the house of Israel? Welcome, friends. I'm your host, Zen Garcia. This is Momentary Zen here on Revolution Radio, and I'm honored to have as guests again with me this evening, both David Carrico and Gary Wayne. David, are you there, brother? I am I am here, Zen, and it's a pleasure as always to be with you and Gary. I'm sure it's going to be a most enjoyable and stimulating evening. Yes, I'm... I'm most certain that it will be and likewise i'm honored to fellowship with both of you again a great respect for uh, both of you and the research that you do uh gary are you there brother i am here and uh, just like david i am excited and honored to be uh, back with both of you and really looking forward to this conversation tonight yeah this is a, a most fascinating topic and it's one that is very important it's most certainly uh, important to um, to Christ in asserting to the apostles to know ye the parable of the fig tree. That, you know, in the emphasis there is that it's important and that they should fully understand, which in this particular narrative that I read from at the very beginning, that's from the Apocalypse of Peter, where um, it it shows a little bit more as far as the detail of what's not in the Matthew, the Mark, and the uh, the Luke gospel with the, because all three of them reflect the same thing in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and, and Luke 21. So uh, because it is affirmed in all of the, uh, the different gospel narratives, I, I absolutely believe it's uh, very important, especially when you understand that we are that fig tree generation. And that even in the book of Enoch, he speaks about having written for a remote generation. And I absolutely do believe that we are that generation. Uh, David? 
Yes, and I, as to the topic tonight, I think one of the key verses would be Daniel 12 and 4. It says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And since 1948, we have seen an absolute explosion of knowledge. And this works in two directions. It works in godly knowledge, and it works in ungodly knowledge. In the uh, ungodly realm, it can be almost overwhelming. When we think of the advances that have been made in genetics that are bringing us toward transhumanism, the absolute uh, bizarre advances in military technology, which I believe is fallen angel technology, the uh, just scary Dr. Frankenstein stuff that we're seeing. But on the good side, there's also an explosion of knowledge. We have at our fingertips now resources that are unbelievable. We have access to material to give us information that people just, e even myself, uh, when I begin studying research and researching, the things that I have now is just mind-boggling to me that I can access for purposes of research. And this is something that we can use and we can utilize. Uh, there are people like yourself and Gary Wayne that have researched into the conspiracy to such a degree that we know so much. We don't know it all, but we know so much more than we did just a few years ago. And into the one of our favorite topics in the realm of the antediluvian world, there yeah. is so much that we know now that we didn't know just a few years ago. And this is escalating so fast that I know even I, I lose grasp of the appreciation of just how rapidly this godly understanding is advancing us. So I, what I think is important for us is not to be overwhelmed with this explosion of dark knowledge, but to be encouraged and to use these resources God has given us. And we, we can learn new strategies of prayer and new strategies of warfare that can bring the kingdom of God forward, even in these dark days. So it's something that we can be very much encouraged and excited about on a lot of different levels. Yeah, I fully agree with you. And um, I think that just as de the demons legion, they recognized Christ and they asked him, have you come to torment us before the time? They know that there is a certain time when the gig will be up and their efforts will be put to naught. And um, I think they recognize that with the blooming of the fig tree, as we will elaborate on this evening, that most certainly they have to accelerate their agenda. And that this is why we see, as you were alluding to, David, an explosion of knowledge from both sides and so much coming forth. Um, it just it can be overwhelming Gary yeah and I'm going to connect a, a couple more things in here based on both what David was saying and what you were saying Zen so just uh, make sure that people understand uh, from a 
biblical perspective as to what's written in the Bible as opposed to, you know, some relevant sources that are outside the Bible. I think we're pretty on pretty safe ground that Jesus was talking about Israel as, as the fig tree. And I don't take it as coincidence that, you know, uh, uh, just shortly before he gives the fig tree generation uh, prophecies with, along with the signs of, of, of the end time, uh, Jesus makes a fig tree wither away. Yes. Right? In uh, Matthew uh, 21 and, and, and Mark 11. And I think that was prophetic, uh, although it's not told as a prophecy of Judah, which uh, Judea is the fig tree in, uh, in, in the Bible. And I'll, I'll make that point in a second. Um, although, you know, you can probably make a case for all of Israel, but I think Israel is more of the vine, but that's a little bit different rabbit hole. But certainly, I think that's a prophecy of what's coming with the Roman and the Re Romans and the rebellion and the diaspora that's going to take place with the rebellion and the destruction of Jerusalem. And also, I look at uh, Luke in chapter 13, where it talks about uh, the fig tree that's that's being planted in the garden, just as you know, Judah is 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 the garden of God's delight in Isaiah 51. And this fig tree has not borne fruit in that parable. And uh, they're told that, you know, leave it planted there for another year. And if it doesn't bear fruit to, to kill the tree. So I think we're, we're on pretty clear ground that we're talking about the fig tree as Judea. And in Jeremiah 24, it specifically refers to the people of the southern kingdom or Judea uh, at the time of the Babylonian invasion and the exile of Babylon as separating, you know, the good figs from the bad figs and the good figs are going to go to, to Babylon. So just to make sort of that sort of scriptural connection so that people are, are, you know, assured that we're basing everything on the Bible first and then bringing in outside sources that support it, which is kind of the way I like to do it. And then oh, secondly, yeah, absolutely. and then secondly, David uh, was talking and you were talking about this explosion of knowledge and David was talking about, Daniel and you know I think we we all understand particularly out of second Timothy that there's a specific generation that was reserved for the end time uh, and that is the godless generation and what's interesting about that godless generation in second Timothy second Timothy 3 1 through 7 is, is that by the time you get into verse 7 of all these horrible things that describe this generation that's reserved that's going to be diluted is that it says something to the effect that we're always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. And then that's going to fit so well with the signs that Jesus is talking about uh, for, for the end times. So anyways, I just wanted to connect some dots there that we're definitely in this age of uh, the people of uh, Judah returning to Israel, and we're definitely in the age of exploding knowledge unlike anything we've seen before. Yeah, absolutely. And also the other thing that comes with uh, the recognition that we are in the fig tree generation is that the powers, the principalities, the rulers of darkness, uh, the archons, that they are also accelerating the agenda of the New World Order. And we see, as Albert Pike speaks about, in, and also as the protocols talk about how they have planned and prepared 
certain aspects uh, in certain things agenda-wise to push forth the agenda of the New World Order and to bring forth the Antichrist, and that a lot of that uh, has to do with controlled opposition and also with the uh, explosion of chaos so that they can bring forth order from it. Uh, David? Well, Gary brought out a very relevant concept here about the godless generation that would be at the time of the Lord's return. Jesus said, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? And the answer to that is only among the remnant. But there will be, I believe, a very, very strong remnant. But in the totality of things, it will certainly be a minority. And while we see this godless generation, there's a phrase that appears throughout the Psalms. This is the generation that seeks thy faith. So God, it's a lot. And there's also going to be a generation of which I believe we're a part that is going to seek the face of God with all of their heart. And I will throw out to you gentlemen and our listeners this evening my perspective, and I don't know if you gentlemen agree with me or not, so I will put it out as my perspective. And um, in Matthew chapter 21, uh, verse 42 and verse 43, uh Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scripture the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in his eyes. Therefore I say unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And as Gary alluded to, um, Israel, uh, the fig tree was cursed earlier. Matthew chapter 21 and I and you know I believe in Matthew 24 Israel is the fig tree but I also believe in Matthew 21 that Israel is also the fig tree and we see it cursed and because of the mass confusion that has been sowed by dispensationalism it's difficult. It's not, I don't think it's that the scriptures are that hard, but dispensationalism has muddied the waters to such an extent that it's hard to really just hear what scripture says. And scripture says in Matthew 21 that the fig tree is cursed and that the kingdom of God was taken away from the nation of Israel and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And it's real easy in scripture to see what nation that is. It's not Greece. It's not Czechoslovakia, but it's us as believers in uh, first Peter two and nine. It says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I think this is a revelation that God's remnant is embracing. We are taking back our identity. We are the Israel of God. And I think this is a revelation that is giving focus and identity and purpose unto God's end time remnant. And I don't say this with an anti-Semitic heart, I certainly believe, as uh, we've talked already this evening, that uh, 
the prophecy and the events of 1948 are certainly significant. But I believe that the nation that will be born in a day will happen when the Lord returns. And that now, uh, in, in Revelation 12, 17, I believe this scripture, above all things, identifies God's end time remnant as to their belief and their theology. Uh, Revelation 12, 17 says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And what we're seeing is a return to these two things, the doctrine of Christ and the commandments of God. And because we return to the doctrine of Christ, we believe what Jesus said in Matthew 5, that the Torah continues to be valid. Not one jot or tittle will pass away. So this aspect of the end-time remnant is causing God's people to recover their identity as the Israel of God. And we now know and understand that Israel and being a part of Israel is not determined by our genetics, but by our faith in Jesus Christ. I think that's very pertinent and very relevant um, because uh, just as we see um, here in this country with the leaders having allegiance to New World Order and that it seems like the governments of the world, including that of Israel, uh, that they are um, connected to the New World Order elites, that they are ruled over by them and that the, the leaders are pushing forth the agenda of what seems to be, um, you know, those that are aligned with uh, Satan and the Freemasons and so on and so forth. But yet the the people, just as the people here, um, that we are, you know, and we're scattered worldwide, as you said, and that we are um, that fig tree um, that, you know, and also with the, the grafting in, you know, as far as the Gentiles and also with Israel and how all that comes together and the illusion of um, just the tree and how that represents uh, of the family of peoples, you know, and then we have the whole war, the enmity between the, the seed of promise and the seed of perdition. And so all of that is also tied into what we are talking about, Gary. Yeah. And I would, uh, you know, I want to underline that thing that uh, the bit of that David was talking about, uh, Judea being cursed and so is Israel cursed as well and so and Israel is the northern kingdom as you take that out of the Old Testament so it's and all of God's plans are going to be filled through curses because Israel and Judah had a choice fulfill the covenant it'll be fulfilled through the blessings don't fulfill the covenant it'll be fulfilled through the curses the end is still the same but we're having to have destiny fulfilled through the curses and through that allowed the grafting in of the Gentiles into the root and into the covenant, just as both of you were, were talking about. And so I look at when I was mentioning the vine as being northern Israel and the lost tribes, 
I think that fits in kind of well with what you guys are talking about because they're just dispersed around the world. And I'm not saying every Christian is an Israelite, but there's certainly lost tribes that are going to wake up in the end time. And then David was actually referring to the U.S. as being a significant part of either, I'm not sure whether you're referring to him as Judea or the greater Israel or the fig tree or the vineyard or both, but I do believe that the U.S. is a significant part of the end time prophecies as it comes through the prophecies of the northern tribes or through Joseph and Ephraim and through Israel and part of the, the vine prophecies. And I would also encourage people, if you want to look for a prophecy and a description of possibly the U.S. in the end time, I would go to Isaiah 18 to a prophecy against Cush and the land of whirring winds because that's so adequately and descriptively, I think, describes the U.S. and uh, that they'll have a significant role at the time of the harvest, which is the end time. And so uh, I'm just underlining all of the things that, that uh, everybody had uh, mentioned. And so I think we're kind of on, on the same field. But I would also caution people not to write off the people of, that are in Israel today, the people in the land of, of Judea, because we know God will fight for them. Just mm -hmm. as the Ezekiel 38 and 39 Gog War testifies to and just as david was referring to in revelation 12 that the people of judea will flee to the de the desert and i think we'll meet up with the people of israel in the end time to be protected for the last three and a half years just as it says in in revelation 12 from the wrath of god and antichrist and everything that's going on and that happens immediately after the abomination yeah i would also say just to add really quick um is that in Israel you have the Torah observant um, Jews and those that know that uh, Christ was the fulfillment uh, and that he is Savior Messiah. And then you have the Talmudic Jews and those that, uh, you know, follow after the um, after Satan and that are, you know, connected to the New World Order. And so this kind of thing is he, even here in America that, you know, the same kind of division. We're seeing this all over the world, and this is tied to and connected, in my opinion, to the enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent as it plays out everywhere. And that, yes, um, our being the fig tree generation, that it will be ongoing until the second advent, and when Christ comes again, then harvest will ensue and uh, everything will be separated. David? And I would agree with Gary that certainly we find America in Bible prophecy. And once again, I believe, I'm, I'm, I just got to pick on the dispensationalist tonight, I guess. But <laughs> once again, because of the era of dispensationalism and the early dispensationalists such as Lewis Berry Schaefer, and even J. Vernon McGee, that godly little old man, uh, they would teach that the Sermon on the Mount was not for Christians, that the Sermon on the Mount only had validity when the Lord returned for physical Israelites, Israelites in the millennium, which, my goodness, really? And the reason for this 
is their belief that the kingdom of God was not established and will not be established until Jesus returns. And therefore, all of the scriptures, when John and Jesus came preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, Luke 17, 21, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. All of these scriptures are meaningless, but the kingdom came with Jesus. And if you look at the seventh chapter of Daniel in the Son of Man passage, he is not coming down. He is ascending up to the Ancient of Days. And according to the second chapter of Acts, Jesus sat upon the throne of David when he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And this was the establishment of the kingdom. And I say all that to say this, that I believe there has been a fundamental misidentification of the beast kingdoms in Daniel 2 and 7. Most scholars will say that they are the same, and I believe they are absolutely different. And the, the four beasts in Daniel 2 are easy to identify because they're clearly expounded in Scripture, But I and they are four kingdoms from the fall of man until the crucifixion of Jesus. But I believe the four kingdoms in Daniel 7 are from the crucifixion of Jesus to his return. And I believe we can clearly identify the fourth beast of Daniel 7 as the final most powerful beast kingdom, which is us. And this would conclude the unhappy conclusion for uh, myself and many others that we indeed are the final beast kingdom that will produce the beast of Revelation 13. And if I can just get radical, if that is radical enough, I'll just get a little more radical. I guess since we're on with Zen Garcia, we can get radical. Huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. All right, then. We're going to push the envelope a little bit here. Uh, Deuteronomy 32.8, the Septuagint, says, When the Most of High divided the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the nations according to the number of the angels of God. And his people, Jacob, became the portion of the Lord. Israel was the line of his inheritance. And as we know, in Genesis 10, in the table of nations, we went from one family to 70 nations. And there were angels and fallen principalities, according to Daniel 10 and the, the book of Ecclesiasticus, that ruled over each nation. And there was one nation that was ruled over by Michael the Prince. And as we read in Matthew 21, when Israel, the kingdom was taken away from them, no longer was that piece of real estate ruled over by Michael the Prince, but now it is God's people to whom the angels are the ministering spirits. And when we study the occult, as we all have, the number 72 is extremely significant. We see the number 72 of the wings of Metatron in Third Enoch. We see the 72 stars above the Capitol Dome in our nation's capital. We have the uh, 72 devils in Aleister Crowley's Goetta. And why did we go from 70 fallen angels over 70 regions to 72? Well, 
Number 71 is Israel. They are now ruled over by a fallen principality instead of Michael the Prince. Number 72, when Francis Bacon and the Rosicrucian Freemasons dreamed of setting up America as the springboard for the new world order, there is now a prince of America that rules over our land. How I wish that it was not so. But the things that are transpiring in our nation, in its degradation, in its political ascendancy to globalize the entire planet with the absolute abomination that is being put forth by those that claim to be the American evangelical church. I think it's Hold on, David. America. Hold on. Uh, we'll be right back, everyone, and uh, we'll get you to pick it up then. Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. UFOs to government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. Builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Um, According to some of the other stories connected with the Tower of Babel, it is 72 languages that the different people uh, are split up into and dispersed uh, upon the, the plane of the earth. Uh, so, David, if you would um, pick up where you were speaking and go back just a little bit um, and uh, address that as well, and then we'll go to Gary. Okay. I'm pretty much done on, on my comment there, and... You know, that's the basically point that I was wanting to make, that we go from the number 70 uh, in Deuteronomy 32 and 8, Genesis 10, of 70 geographical areas ruled over by angels. And we go from the 70 to 72. And my point being that the two additional fallen powers as is understood in all of the world of the occult, that this comes from the addition of Israel being cursed in Matthew 21 and of America being specifically set up by Satan, the Rosicrucian Freemasons, to be the springboard of the new world order. Uh, Manly P. Hall wrote a book called The Secret destiny of America, where he specifically tied America's founding to uh, the dream of Francis Bacon. So that is basically my point, that I believe we are now, uh, and you know, 1 John 5.19 says um, that we are of God and the whole world lieth in the power of the evil one. And I think this is a good reality check for believers to understand that the angels of God are now ministering spirits unto us, the holy nation of God, and the whole world is under the power of the evil one. 
and we as God's remnant, that we are committed only to the doctrine of Christ and God's Torah, and we are not, and you know, I certainly myself, I don't seek any political solutions. There are none. We have only kingdom solutions. Yeah, I agree. Uh, really quick before we go to uh, Gary, David, give out your website where people can go to find your work. And I know that you have a, a new night for your uh, FOJC broadcast, and if you'll mention that as well. Yes, we do. Uh, you can go to our website at FOJCradio.com. There's a link there to our YouTube channel. And also, we are moving our broadcast from Sunday morning until Friday night at 6 p.m. And this Friday night at 6 p.m. and every Friday night following, we will have our weekly FOJC broadcast. And we're changing the name also from FOJC Radio Church. We're going to call it the FOJC Remnant Gathering. So that will be at 6 p.m. Central Time on Friday, this Friday night and every Friday night following. Excellent. Gary? And also, Gary, after you comment, if you'll give out your website and uh, contact information as well. Sure, maybe I'll do that first. Uh, my contact sure. information, uh, get a hold of me through Facebook on, under Gary Wayne or two Genesis 6 conspiracy pages. Uh, and if you contact me, I will get back to you if you've got a comment you want me to comment on or a question that you would like answered. You can also follow me on Twitter at GaryWayne63. And you can also visit my website, which is the Genesis6conspiracy.com, where you can also contact me through uh, the website for comments and questions, and you can also get uh, a good idea what my book is about because I have a generous excerpt on all 98 chapters up on, on the website, and I also have some interviews up there as well to, to have a look at. So that's, that's how, if you want to get a hold of me, lots of ways to get a hold of me, and um, not much to add to what uh, David was saying. I'm, I certainly know about Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, and I certainly know they both end up with the uh, the end-time empires. So it's a directional thing that I always look for. So I'll, I'll think about some of the things that David had said because I hadn't really looked at uh, those prophecies and connecting uh, the 70 and then the 72 all through there. But I certainly agree with that. All aspects of empires and countries around the world, they, they would have a ruler or an archon or a fallen angel to oversee because it's still governed by the rebellious angels until it's taken away during the end time. You know, for me, uh, when I look at this fig tree generation, uh, and we understand that the people of Israel are in Israel, and I've been there since 90, 1948, but the big question gets to be for me is, what's a generation, right? And how do we establish what the time frame is? Because we know that within this generation or this period of time, whatever it is, that all things are going to be fulfilled. So uh, including all of the signs of the end times that are intermixed with the fig tree uh, generation prophecy. So, and we haven't seen all of the signs yet of the fig tree uh, prophecy, even though as the birth pangs are getting louder or stronger, I should say, um, but there's still not everything that we've seen, obviously, and, and, and we're not quite yet in the end time. But then again, what is the period of the end time to go along with that? So 
I'd like to throw that out at the both of you guys and, and think, you know, tell me when you think that started and how, how long that generation uh, will last for. All right, I'll answer really quick um, with regard to that. And I think you can, we can look to Psalms 90 for just a, a little bit of guidance where it says, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So in this uh, verse, it says that a generation is either 70 or 80 years, which is interesting because if you time um, from the time that the United Nations put forth the call for the um, for Israel to come again as a nation, that was November 29th, 1947. And if you add 70 years to that, that brings us to this year, uh, which it's interesting because it's also my opinion that uh, this year is the 50th Jubilee, I mean the 120th Jubilee, which would put us at the year 6,000. And it also aligns with the Revelation 12, the sign of the woman clothed in the, with the sun, the moon beneath her feet, a child within her womb, and a crown of 12 stars, which, interestingly enough, according to Stellarium and other Starry Night and other celestial programs like that, uh, will occur on the Feast of Trumpets, September 23rd of this year. And all of that is really interesting because we see that um, according to the Levitical feast days, that the three remaining feasts are the Feast of Trumpets, uh, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And so, in my opinion, that the seventh trump also has association with the Feast of Trumpets. And But again, with Scripture, we know that the Antichrist is to come first, and that we will see the beast kingdom and the new world order established in a manner that I don't believe we've seen fulfilled yet. And then according to Albert Pike's vision and all that he put forth, uh, that there will be this third global war, which will put forth and exhaust uh, the Muslim fanatics and that of the uh, the Zionist Jews and also the uh, the Western nations, the Christian Western nations. And all of that hasn't come to pass yet either. And so um, how all that will play out, we don't know. But I do believe that because the Revelation 12 sign is encoded in the scripture and has been for thousands of years, that it has to be significant. What is it significant of remains yet to be determined. Um, David? Um. I want to, uh, kind of before I answer Gary's question, there's a neat scripture here I want to share with everyone from uh, Sirach or Ecclesiastes. And the scripture says, um, for in the division of the nations of the whole earth, he set a ruler over every people, but Israel is Yahuwah's portion. That was from the Sefer. And this is very confirming with Deuteronomy 32 and 8 and what we have said that there is a power over 
every geographical area, and now those areas are fallen. And in, in regard to Gary's question about when the last days uh, or the end times begin, doctrinally speaking, in the New Testament, the last days begin with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are in the last days from that time. And I think now it would be fair to say that we are in the last of the last days. And with our topic tonight, the fig tree generation, there in Matthew 4, as Jesus began, he expounded on the birth pains and those things that would increase in intensity as we draw forward to the time of the Lord's return. Uh, we've already, I think, Zen made mention of the escalation and the confrontation in Matthew 24, 7. Jesus said nation would rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And I believe that's addressing kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. And as we see this exponential increase in knowledge, the conflict between the two is going to become more and more profound. And as we would do a study of these birth pangs in Matthew 24, I think it is certainly safe to say that we are approaching the very last of the last days, at least in my opinion. And also, as has been referenced in the broadcast this evening, Albert Pike's plan for three world wars, with the last war being ignited in the Middle East, uh, set off between uh, Jewish and Muslim fundamentalists. And the capacity for that to happen, even before we go to bed tonight, is there. Never before has there been the potential for this to take place. And whenever I analyze the players in geopolitics, I always do it with that in mind, that this is their end game. This is the chaos from which they want to bring the order of their new world order to put their man in the place of political and religious power to achieve the goals that they have planned for ever since uh, evil Enoch, a.k.a. Gary Wayne, began expounding upon the seven sacred sciences. So this is what I think we need to appreciate that at any time the Middle East could explode and throw us into this final phase of the globalist plan of World War III. Gary? Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think that we're quite there to use the September 20, 23rd or whenever that uh, astrology projection of stars are going to come about is sort of overlaying. I think that's you know, that's interesting, but I'm not sure I'd look for astrology as to one of the signs. And the reason why I say that is, is if you look at Revelation 12, that's at after the abomination. That would mean that we are already three and a half years into the last seven years. And I'm not sure I've seen the Nephilim world order take control yet. And I'm not sure we've seen Babylon take control yet. So I think it's interesting what's going to happen in September, but and it will maybe help 
speed things up a little bit as we get back into more of an apocalyptic sort of mode worldwide possibly with it but i'm not convinced that we're there yet the other thing i was thinking about was and why i threw the question out is is yes if we were in uh a 70 year uh, lifespan or an 80 year lifespan and from 1947 i mean this is 2017 so we're, we're there right and so that means that we should be either going into the last uh, seven, uh, you know, seven years or it's a little bit further off. So does that mean it's more the acquisition of Jerusalem as a title or as, as, a, as a start date, which would probably push us out to 2037 to 2047 in that aspect? Or is it still 2017 to 2027? Both are, I think, are still in play because things could happen very, very quickly. But I don't think we're into the last seven years yet for sure. And then the other thing that sort of crosses my mind is, is that, um, you know, when, when it talks about a generation or uh, a period of time in the Bible, the number 40 comes up quite a bit. Um, you know, whether or not it's in terms of uh, apocalypse or punishment or whatever. So like you have 40 days of the flood, you've got 40 days uh, in the desert, you've got Nineveh having 40 days to repent and Jonah, you've got um, all of these things around uh, this period of, of 40. So I wonder whether or not that as those birth pains start to kick off, whether or not that's within a 40 year period of a quickening type of birth pang until you get to that midpoint of, of the, of the last seven years with the wrath of God. And then it happens. There's no more birth pains. The birth just happens. Like the end comes, it comes in like a flood, which is a very interesting sort of comparison. When we look at the days of Noah and, uh, uh, people living in, in safety. And when we, when we compare what it says to, uh, uh, what, what, how you bring in the abomination at that midpoint in, in, in the last seven years. So uh, I'm, that's why I just was wanting to, to explore a little bit more as to uh, how this works with all of the signs of the end time, which aren't here yet, with the 70 years up from 1947, uh, and how that sort of all fits and then look at some of those signs in, in, in the birth pangs and to see how much has to happen. And certainly some of the things that have to happen are things like, you know, false Christ and false prophets performing right. false miracles to deceive the elect of the of the leaders of the churches that there'll be this massive falling away that's talked about in first uh, or second Thessalonians um, or an apostasy or a rebellion, depending on which translation you might be reading. And then comes the abomination. Right. And. The signs that go back to the fig tree generation, it has more on that. It says, you know, all people are going to hate you as Christians or believing in Jesus because of Jesus. Uh -huh. And that there's going to be a, a point where many people fall away and turn away from the faith. And they'll betray each other in the church and you'll betray your parents and you'll betray each brother. And that um, if you get into... Uh, second Ezra, which is used to be in the Bible as the King James Version when it first came out, so it's in the Catholic Bible today, you know, it talks about uh, the way the truth will be hidden and there will be no faith left in the land. It's very similar to what it's talking about in the fig tree uh, revelations. And 
it says reason will uh, go into hiding as this wickedness and, and violence comes into play. And so I guess where I'm going with, with all of that is, is that we need to see this, this major falling away and we need to see the outcoming of these false Christs. And these aren't just minor sort of denominational apocalyptic cults, right? I think this is like the false Christ of the Mahdi, the false Christ of the Maitreya before the true Antichrist comes to power. So I think they're going to leave large portions of individual religions as, as they're separated today astray. Yeah, I, you know, I agree uh, with you, which that's why I brought forth that um, even though the Revelation 12, is, 12 sign is encoded into scripture, we don't know what that is going to be significant of. And because we do know that the Antichrist and the beast system is established before the second advent of Christ, uh, let me put this up to, to you guys uh, for, you know, just um, as possibility as premise could the revelation 12 sign not be the sign for the return of christ even though you know we know he will fulfill um the fall feast but maybe it's significant of the coming of the reign of the antichrist and maybe it's going to be significant for that will then be the unfolding of the 10 years of what will lead up to all of the remaining fulfillment of the prophecies, as Gary just uh, pointed out, and you know, with with regard to Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and Mark 13, and the things that yet remain, which Christ spoke about in those various chapters and verses. David, well, I think that could very well be true, Zen, and I'll have to say that right now on the conjunction uh, this September I still I haven't made my mind up just what is going on with that mm -hmm. and certainly I think what you state Zen could be possible and Gary referenced the book of uh, fourth estrus which uh, as was in the Catholic Bible and also it was in the Geneva Bible and the James well, hold on David we'll be right back and we'll pick it up with you but I love that text, one of my favorites. I Revolution Radio. Here at Revolution Radio, we believe in freedom of ideas, freedom of speech, but above all, we believe in freedom of existence through self-reliance. This station is 100% listener-supported, and as a fundraising promotion, I have a kick-ass free gift for a $100 donation. 35,000 seeds. 25 years in the freezer. Long-term storable, 54 different varieties. So if food prices go crazy, the shit hits the fan, or if you just want to save tons of money every year by creating your own food like I do, grab our seed pack special. Just look for the banner on the homepage at freedomslips.com. Don't be a statistic. Don't be part of the problem. 
be part of the solution. We need as humans to start taking care of ourselves and not depending on the megacorps to provide unhealthy, nasty food. Included in this package is also a DVD with 900 survival and off-grid living documents and the offline home canning how to do everything website all on the DVD. So when you're growing all that food, you know how to can it, store it, preserve it, etc. with all these documents. So thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. I hope that you will pick up this package and start learning to be free. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, where information never sleeps and freedom is one seed that needs to be planted. Welcome back, everybody, for second hour. I'm your host, Zen Garcia. This is Momentary Zen here on Revolution Radio on Studio B. We come to you every Wednesday evening, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. And I have a special guest with me this evening, both David Carrico and Gary Wayne. David, I want to turn it back over to you so you can finish up your thought and what you were talking about. All righty. Gary referenced the book of Fourth Estrus uh, being in the Bible, and it was in uh, the Septuagint. It was in the Bishop's Bible, Geneva Bible, original King James. It's been in all the Catholic translations. It's been in everything until 1789 when it was taken out of the King James Bible and sent to the cornfield. So this uh, and it, it's interesting in fourth estrus chapter 13 we see the son of man rising out of the sea and in revelation 13 we see the beast rising out of the sea so b- because this has been pretty much deemed uh insignificant people don't appreciate this duality there between the two risings of the Son of Man and the beast. And this makes me wonder, you know, with the uh, Revelation 12 alignment that's coming that, you know, this very well could be referring to the beast. You know, this is this is possible. They don't know. But uh, as I said, I'm still pondering that. Don't know just exactly what to make out of it. But as to this, uh, the numbers that uh, Gary was talking about, the significance of the number 40, and there's a lot of different scriptures from where we would determine the length of a generation. We could get 90 years or 100 years or argue for mm-hmm. But our old pal Rob Skiba did an interesting calculation on the binding of the watchers for seven generations and he did a calculation that would put that to the beginning of the 20th century and i think that he's got something there and in that time period in uh, 19 i 7 16 to 18 this is when alistair crowley brought the fallen being lamb through the the doorway and then in 1917, we had the uh, apparitions in uh, Fatima. And this was a time of an unleashing, I believe, of these spirits uh, 
that was a very, very profound time. And in the regard to number 40, it's very interesting that in Isaiah 14, 12, that uh, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, that Hallel ben Shahar was a designation for the planet Venus. And there's always been this association with the worship of the planet Venus and the goddess. But the planet Venus, every eight years, will form a five-pointed star. And this is the reason for the pentagram being so significant within the world of the occult. And this is an eight-year cycle that it will form a five-pointed star. And every five cycles, five times eight equals 40, the planet Venus will return to the very same place that it began its 40-year trek from. So every 40 years, it will complete a complete cycle, and this is made up of eight five-year cycles. So the number 40 is very significant. It's, It's significant in Scripture in a lot of ways, and it's also significant to the occult in their understanding. So there's so many things going on here for us to consider, and we can't we can't figure it all out, but that doesn't keep us from trying. And <laughs> it, it's just marvelous, the, the things that we can understand. And certainly the major signs, and I certainly would agree with Gary also, that we certainly have not entered into the final period uh, of the last half of the 70th week of Daniel. We're not there yet, but we're certainly seeing all of these things that I believe that with prayer and diligent study, that it's just like uh, it says in Amos 3, 7, the Lord will do nothing except he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Amen. I believe that we are certainly going to know, and it's going to be confirmed among God's people just exactly how this thing is going to go forward. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I like I just like the uh, the Ezra uh, passages that you know most people aren't aware of, and I would encourage people to read it. And when I was referring to those forty years, just so the audience may be clear, I wasn't suggesting that that's a generation, as what people some people suggest out there, uh, because then certainly whether it's Jerusalem or it is. Israel being formed as a nation, we're we're getting beyond that 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 span period. So, uh, what I was referring to was a, a period of punishment, um, and again, I got that thinking that way and digging deeper into it. And, and you know, there's just so many of these different things of forty in the Bible, but certainly forty as a period of punishment is is a significant number. And it says also in Ezra that. Um, says, you know, disasters will come and everyone will be terrified what the people do when they see these disasters come. Famine, epidemics, troubles and suffering are sent to punish and correct people. And this is an end time uh, prophecy. And so there is a period that uh, is birth pangs of suffering and an increasing tension. And it is a period of punishment, but it's a Punishment to try and open the eyes to this godless generation, this generation reserved for the end time that was is going to scoff at 
where the second coming of, of Jesus is, as it's recorded in Second Peter in the last days, uh, is so possessed with knowledge and developing godhood themselves that God is trying to give them all the opportunity in the world to open their eyes, not have their eyes wide shut as the occult would say, to open their eyes, to awaken, to recognize the times we're in and, and what is coming. And just as I think in the fig tree signs, you have a very interesting note where uh, it says, certainly in Matthew, that uh, you know the gospel is going to be preached to the whole world first, yeah. right? And most people think that that's what the church is doing. Perhaps it is, but I would also suggest that if you look at timing again, and I, I really look at timing and things coming together in prophecy and everything working as a whole, you've got 144,000 in, in Revelation 7 on a linear basis that happens very quickly on in the last uh, set of years. And then at the midpoint, just before the wrath, you have that 144,000 seen in heaven. And so I wonder whether or not those are the ones that are commissioned as the last prophets to go out to try and warn the world. And so this period of punishment, suffering, and correction is, is I think, is, is something good to ponder. And a couple other things I just want to say about Ezra. Not, I'm not totally taken with the Apocrypha, but um, that was eliminated from the Bible, but I liked some of the other descriptions of the signs of the times that it had. It had like not only earthquakes and pestilences and mighty signs. We get that all out of the Bible, all out of the Bible. But this idea that people are going to be gripped with great confusion in the end time, right? Yeah. People aren't going to know because the truth is going to be bent like a pretzel, and it's going to be hidden, as Ezra says. A time of national rebellion so that there's going to be great upheaval to form this end time world empire I think international intrigues is another word that it uses unstable leaders confused rulers uh, I mean the world powers are going to tremble um, the people are going to be terrified I mean we are going to see such catastrophic and sort of unheard of things coming upon the people with perhaps even things in the sky that are going to shake people to the bone that they're going to be uh, totally confused as to what time they're in and yet they can't open their eyes to see what is going on and we're going to go into this great apostasy that leads to uh uh, the crowning of Antichrist at the time of Revelation 12, at the time of the abomination, which is, I think, also the time of the wrath of God starts being pulled out uh, in, in the bowls in, in Revelation. So you see all of this sort of coming together. And I, I just, I'm just so fascinated at how all aspects just tie together if you let them. Yeah, it's amazing. And there's so many different books that, speak about i mean because this is one of the main topics with regard to scripture and the biblical narrative is the end times the final generation the end of days the last times and the um as i was saying with uh with, with david um fourth ezra or second esdras uh that's one of my most favorite texts with regard to the timeline and for people that have not read it and have not studied the Apocrypha, 
it is a very profound book with regard to explaining. Uh, and Ezra goes through several different visions where he fasts for seven days at a time and then fasts for seven more days and seven more days. And at each time, he's given a vision and then the explanation of the vision. And it a, a lot of the book, a lot of the text has to do with the the end times and then there are others uh, like even the book of Enoch which reference um, you know this particular time and uh, that you know that all of us believe that we are living and witnessing and most certainly as we go as David pointed out that most certainly the Most High is going to reveal all to his prophets and that even our discussion our fellowship this evening is part of the process of his revealing to us and all of us discussing and sharing fellowship to come to better understanding of what is being revealed even in this day and age. David? Indeed, I, I do indeed agree. And in uh, Matthew 24 and 5, when Jesus said, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I believe that that scripture is talking primarily not about people like uh, Sun Young Moon that actually claim to be Jesus, but I believe that it's talking about teachers that actually say, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. And because they are teaching Jesus is the Messiah, they have a greater capacity to, to deceive believers. And in verse 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness. And I believe that in this last day's apostasy, that much of what is being preached is not the true gospel. It is not the gospel of the kingdom. And when John the Baptist came preaching, he used the R word. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, likewise, when he came preaching, he came preaching repentance. And today, repentance is made a dirty word. It's a word that you don't use. You don't want to talk about sin. And even now, uh, there are people uh, like Joseph Prince. I listened to a tape of him that mocked people that would actually preach that people should repent of their sins. So part of this apostasy is the restoration of the true gospel. And this will be the remnant message that God's remnant, the Israel of God, will bear in the last days. The, the gospel will, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached through God's remnant. And certainly I would agree with Gary that the number 40 doesn't refer to a generation. And I remember uh, when the late great planet Earth came out. Uh, I was born again in 1971. And just about that time, uh, the late great planet Earth by Hal Lindsey came out. And I thought it was the greatest thing since peanut butter. But I've, since then, I've got over it. But Hal Lindsey 
stated that a generation was 40 years, and he pretty much predicted when the Great Tribulation uh, would begin. He, you know, he went 1948, he had 40 years in 1988, and uh, that has just been thoroughly disproven. And the uh, number 40 as a generation, I think that, you know, for anybody paying attention, that, you know, this just isn't the case. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I have to say, you know, uh, Hal Lindsey is, is one of my uh, sort of, I wish he was a mentor, but he's certainly the person I looked up to because it was because of him and his book, The Late Great, is, is why I started my path back to God and how I got on the path of prophecy and then ended up writing my book. So, but he didn't get everything right, but he was so far ahead of his time that uh, it just blew me away. And I had to find out whether or not what he was saying was true or not true. So uh, nice to hear there's uh, someone else who had uh, high regards for Hal and he's still out there working hard. So um, maybe someday I'll get a chance to meet him. Um, but anyways, as we, as we move on on this, yeah. And so it's just a matter of how long is that, you know, period of time that uh, is in uh, the, the birth pang aspect of it and what's all involved on it that's that's the key part and uh and i I certainly don't disagree with david that um people will be uh saying they believe that jesus is the messiah and will be leading people away but i also have to look at matthew 24 5 and it says i saying i am christ so there's a significant christ type figures that are going to pop up so i think we we have to look at it from both perspectives and it may not be as significant for us in the west as it is for let's say the people of islam with the uh, shia makti and all of the the other uh, antichrist figures that they're waiting for uh, around the world so um just wanted to, to sort of get that that out on on the table as well and uh i also think that this whole idea that we have in this fig tree generation uh, in terms of timing and stuff is, is and obviously we haven't seen some of this, this these big events that are need to come in place uh, to put us into the last seven years. But we also have tied into this apostasy side where people in the church are going to be turning against each other and they're going to be teaching doctrines of such uh, abominable nature and, 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 in size of doctrinal change that are going to be leading people away, just as, as David was saying, that we haven't quite got there yet. But I think that's all on the horizon. We can see it developing. It's just a matter of how fast it develops. But if we have a nuclear war, if we have, let's say, the alien deception coming, if we have some frightful things that are going on in the heavens, if we have some sort of financial disaster, or maybe there's a combination of all of these things that happen together, this conflagration of events that will drive things faster in this direction than anybody could imagine, you could envision all of this coming together in a couple of years, right? Right. Yeah, very quickly. Absolutely. Also, I'd like to tell everybody because uh, people are sending me questions and asking me to ask you guys about uh, some of the stuff that you did in the past show you, that you did with the um, on the with the focus on the worldwide Gnosticism, and it really 
it would take a whole show to even get to that stuff and because that's not the focus of this show um i i don't want to go into that in any great detail but at some point we will try to maybe do a show on that all together but um i'd like to stay focused on the uh, the fig tree stuff because i i think it's still we still have things we need to speak about and things that we need to cover but uh certainly i'll, I'll try to set up a show at some point to talk about some of those things and address your questions uh seems you guys set off a firestorm with whatever show that you you guys did i i, I heard part of it but i didn't um, do the you know hear all of it but uh let me turn it back over to you david um we're about four minutes before the following break and then we got final segment well i, I would just like to say that i certainly agree with gary in reference to matthew 24 and 5 the people saying I am Christ. We certainly need to be looking at both sides of the coin there. And in regard to Mr. Lindsay, I certainly would say that the late great impacted me in a very good way, in the very same way, because it just absolutely caused me to dig into God's word. And I have since abandoned dispensationalism and free trip, but it certainly made me study. And uh, I remember back during that time period, I devoured every book that I could get on Bible prophecy. And a lot of the, uh, the books from uh, that early time period, I still have in my library those dispensational works by uh, John Walford and Dwight Pentecost, Thanks to Come, and all of those books. So I, I thoroughly give dispensationalism its due, but I became thoroughly convinced that it was an error. But certainly kudos were kudos uh, deserve. Uh, Mr. Lindsay certainly did that. And one more thing I might put out on the table here in the final moments that took place in 1947, there was a man by the name of William Branham, and he began teaching uh, a doctrine called the Manifest Sons of God. And in this, he likened himself to be a part of Joel's army. Now, what's problematic about that is if you look at Joel 2, uh, it's a Nephilim army, and that's really not what we want to be a part of. And today, the Joel's army movement has morphed into a right-wing uh, group that's advocating for political solutions that I believe are very dangerous, and it's being headed up by Mr. Rick Joyner, who's not and they're using societies to achieve political ends in the Joel's Army movement. And this is such a toxic force within American uh, churchianity that I believe the results that it could have are absolutely catastrophic. And I think this could play a huge role in bringing us to Isaiah 17 and 1, when Damascus will go away from being a city, which I believe will really bring us into that final tribulation period. 
Well, most certainly in the research that I've done, um, the everything to do with the Joel chapter two and the release of the Locust Army uh, has to do with the uh, the Nephilim and you know, as in the days of Noah, um, the return of the giants, all of that. Um, and so I, I would say that yeah, we don't want to tie ourselves with all of that because the, those forces are the the powers, the principalities, the rulers of darkness. And in my opinion, uh, they have to do with the wrath of God being poured out on those not written into the books of life. Uh, Gary, we've got probably a minute before we go to break. Yeah, so I, I mean, no, we don't want to be involved with the <laughs> Nephilim armies and uh, the, the things coming up out of the abyss. <laughs> That's uh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how to dispel that uh, any more <laughs> plainly than that. But um, uh, you know, moving on, part of that that uh, fig tree generation prophecy is 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 the instructions to keep watch. That even though we don't know the day and the hour. We're instructed to, to to watch and to learn the signs of the ends of the times yes. so that recognize we can, the seasons. that we can recognize the seasons. And I think it's important for us to do that because truth is going to be lost in the end time. And it's up to us to communicate one and one. Right. All right. Hold on, guys. We'll be right back, everyone, for final segment. Slips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. Right. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution And they will teach all the nations in every tongue of the resurrection of the beloved and those who believe in his cross will be saved. And in his ascension into the seventh heaven whence he came and that many who believe in him will speak through the Holy Spirit and many signs and wonders will be wrought in those days. And afterwards on the eve of his approach, his disciples will forsake the teachings of the 12 apostles and their faith and their love and their purity. And there will be much contention on the eve of his advent and his approach. And in those days, many will love office, though devoid of wisdom. And there will be many lawless elders and shepherds dealing wrongly by their own sheep. And they will ravage them, owing to their, having, their not having holy shepherds. And many will change the honor of the garments of the saints, for the garments of the covetous, and there will be much respect of persons in those days, and lovers of honor of this world, and there will be much slander and vainglory at the approach of the Lord and the Holy Spirit will withdraw from many, and there will not be in those days many prophets, nor those who speak trustworthy words, save one here and there in diverse places, on account of the spirit of error and fornication, of vainglory and of covetousness, which shall be in those who will be called servants of that one, and in those who will receive that one, 
and there will be great hatred in the shepherds and elders towards each other, for there will be great jealousy in the last days, for everyone will say what is pleasing in his own eyes, and they will make of none effect the prophecy of the prophets which were before me, and those my visions also will they make of none effect in order to speak after the impulse of their own hearts. That's from the Ascension of Isaiah. David? Well, I certainly believe that uh, the things that we've talked about tonight are kind of giving us a big picture perspective. And that's what I really hope people can take away from this broadcast is the understanding of where we are, that we are living in this time where things are very, very tricky. Um, truly perilous times are upon us. And we have to really study and pray to walk our way through this deception. And I think that above all things, that this is something that we really need to be aware of, that with the Holy Spirit, that the Lord can guide us through. And uh, Amen. probably above all things, this might be the most important thing we might be able to convey to people this evening. Gary? Yeah, and I want, I'd like to uh, take this down to a level where uh, I can't think of a better way of explaining it than other than just pointing out the highlights out of, uh, out of Second Timothy. Uh, it describes, you know, the terrible times in the last days uh, of the godless generation. And it simply says they're going to be lovers of themselves, be lovers of money. Going to be boastful. They're going to be proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness but denying its power. I don't know how you could write a better description as to what is formulating within our generation right now. And, you know, I look back to what Josephus said about the descendants of Cain as uh, the generations progressed and that every generation became more wicked and mm -hmm. fell away from God more than the generation before that. And I think we're having that same sort of escalation. And I, I just, you know, I would honestly ask people to have a look at what our society is doing and what, how it is degenerating in, in all aspects of, of arrogance and, and, and no self-control and violence and slander. It's, it's getting to be pervasive. Uh, and it's not as bad as it's going to be when we're actually into the last number of years because wickedness, wickedness and violence will increase to a level that we have not seen before, as it says in Second Ezra again. And it's unbelievable when you think about that because how I understand before the flood, it was about as wicked as you can get, but according to Ezra, it might even be more than that. Mm -hmm. And that, that is absolutely scary to me. And uh, so we have a ways to go yet, but I certainly think we see all of this coming together. And, you know, as we talked about 
few times throughout the show, it's a matter of some just I think just some cataclysms bringing all of this about. Yeah, one or two dominoes to set the whole uh, thing into motion and just bring on the conflagration upon the world. And um, I, I, another thing, another thing that is very important and critical is that um, it says in the scriptures that unless the days be shortened, there should be no flesh left. Uh, but for the elect's sake, the days shall be shortened. And there are other verses which talk about how um, the year will be like a month and the month will be like a week and the week will be like a day. And so time will be seemingly uh, accelerated. And so um, when things are set in motion, just like Paul said, it, peace come sudden destruction. And so just in an instant, everything could just be set aflame. And um, the Luciferians, even in the protocols, they talk about how they are waiting for a certain day when they're going to collapse the world order, the system that we know it, and that the next morning when we wake up, things will be completely shifted. The whole paradigm of what we are used to and what we are um, uh, what we recognize as the, our livelihoods and the way things are, the the habits and the routines of life, all of that will be completely turned upside down. David? Well, Gary made reference earlier that we have not seen the return of the Nephilim yet. And in uh, the Book of Enoch, which purports itself to be, as I certainly believe, a day for a book for God's people in this in time tribulation, it says in um, Enoch verse five, when the Lord returns uh, and all shall be smitten with fear and the watchers shall quake and great fear and trembling shall seize them under the ends of the earth. And the scripture here in Enoch speaks of the watchers being present all over the earth and being seized with fear. So certainly this is a profound thing. And also in scripture in Isaiah 26, it talks about the Rephaim being cast out of the earth when the Lord returns. So this is certainly something that if people don't have the biblical understanding of what's coming, when they actually see these things come to pass, they're going to be taking their own lives. They're going to be absolutely lose hope. And I think a lot of them are going to be trying to find these preachers that have lied to them to knock knots on the head. But what I believe we're seeing now is the spiritual harbingers, if you will, or the forerunners of this final Nephilim onslaught. And we did a show on Now You See TV. I did it with John Pounders on the reptilians. And I also did a uh, teaching on FOJC. The reptilians are among us. And the amount of people that have had reptilian experiences, the phone calls that we have got and the emails from that is absolutely amazing. And we are living in the time of the escalation of the 
kingdom of darkness that could explode at any minute. It's a, it's a two-edged sword. There's what's going on in the spiritual world affecting what's going on in the physical. And it's going to come together when, just like in the antediluvian world, there are going to be these fallen powers walking on the earth alongside of human beings. And it's going to be for God's people that are prepared and have understanding the greatest time of their lives. But for those that do not understand these things, and that's why I think it's so important for us to be able to share these things with as many people as possible. The people that don't understand what's coming, it's going to be very, very tough for them to say, to say the least. So I'm thankful to be able to put forth these things and uh, we just pray that more and more people will become um, informed and prepared about what's coming. Absolutely. And that's another show that I'd like to, to do with both of you is uh, on the Dragon Bloodlines. And uh, Gary and I are, are set to do a series on that as well and how they take on the Dragon embodiment. Um, but let, let, let me go to you, Gary, and then afterwards I want to read one final quote and then get both of you to comment on it, Gary. Yeah, and I want to uh, sort of just sort of finish off on my comments that we need to not jump ahead in terms of prophetic events. And I, like everybody else, think things are, are, are on the horizon, but all everything has to be in place. You can't have eight out of 10 or five out of 10, everything's got to be in place because in the word of God, it's got to be accurate and true. But I would look, if people want to start looking for how this starts to come together, other than the great cataclysms that you can't predict exactly when they're going to happen, although they'll have prophets out predicting that, which might be a clue. But it sort of is the root of that is look for a continual escalation of the cross-pollination between polytheism and monotheism and a closer coming in that universal Babylonian uh, church and worldwide uh, commercial state has to come together as bringing about the world order along with it. So I would guide people to look in that direction first from everything that I've learned about it uh, to, to, to watch how that's coming together before you get too caught up in other things that are going to happen later. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, and let, so I want to read this really quick to get you to guys to comment final, uh, final comments from the protocols. It says before us is a plan in which is laid down strategically the line from which we cannot deviate without running the risk of seeing the labor of many centuries brought to naught. When the hour strikes for our sovereign Lord of all the world to be crowned, it is these same hands which will sweep away everything that might be a hindrance thereto. This hatred will be still further magnified by the effects of the economic crisis, which will stop dealing on the exchanges and bring industry to a standstill. We shall create by all the secret subterranean methods open to us and with the aid of gold, 
which is all in our hands, a universal economic crisis whereby we shall throw upon the streets whole mobs of workers simultaneously in all the countries of Europe. These mobs will rush delightedly to shed the blood of those whom in the simplicity of their ignorance they have envied from their cradles and whose property they will be able to loot. Ours they will not touch because the moment of our attack will be known to us and we shall take measures to protect our own. David? Well, in its most simplistic form, what they're saying is they will do whatever is necessary to achieve their ultimate goal. And if this means a false flag event that will result in a war that will destroy millions of lives, so be it. That will be a small price for them to pay to achieve their ends. And I believe that even now this is being engineered and orchestrated through global Freemasonry. And something Gary said uh, was very profound. The Just how he said it, the blending of polytheism in with monotheism. And Freemasonry has a very unusual way that they do this. And they will insist that Freemasonry teaches monotheism. Yet they will say that this one God can manifest in absolutely any form that they want. So this one God is Krishna, this one God is uh, Vishnu, this one God is Allah, whatever one you want, want it to be. So this strange mixing of monotheism with polytheism is indeed the hallmark of this institution that is bringing about this flashpoint that will throw us in to the final phase where for a while they will achieve their one world order. Gary? What's interesting as you read out of those uh, protocols is that, and they're very, very clear on it, and it just shows you how naive the uh, progressives and the liberals are, is that once the true power has the ability to bring this on, they will turn against the liberal utopians as well. And they will slaughter them en masse as well because they're a danger because they're going to know they're going to be betrayed. So all the people that are used as their foot soldiers and their canker worms, except for the very elite, they'll slaughter their co-rebellion, you know, right. uh, rebels with them. And they will they will do unspeakable things. I mean, they are prepared to take the population down to almost nothing so that it's only their seed that's left. Right. And that's why they're advancing the technologies. And at the, same time, at the same time they're doing that, they're able to bank in, in massive banks of data, genealogies, DNA, blood types, all for trying to figure out who they're going to keep and who they're not going to keep. And even if you've got weak bloodlines and you think they're going to save you, they're not. You're still mundane to them. You need significant bloodlines, and that's why they all try to ennoble their bloodlines with, within this belief system. Those are the ones who will be hiding and be uh, telling themselves that they're going to take over the world, but it's not going to last long. Mm. 
Yeah, I agree. I fully agree. They are uh, kidding themselves and they plan to slaughter all those. Even and even it's written in their own protocols how they're going to slaughter uh, those that help them to bring in this new world order, which is exactly. just insane. Why those that you know that serve the agenda, why they would do so because um, you know they're expendable. Uh, and they're going to go down with the whole thing uh, as well. Um, David, we've got uh, about four minutes. So I want to give both of you a chance for a final comment. Well, I would just like to say that I am thankful to be able to be uh, a part of this broadcast this evening that I really uh, appreciate and respect both of you gentlemen. And I've become quite fond of you. <laughs> I even like you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I appreciate your heart for God and your zeal for study. And it's always when we get together a very um, inspiring and challenging broadcast. So I'm just thankful to be a part of it. And uh, just really, you know, grateful to the Lord for all that he's done. Amen. All glory, all praise, all honor uh, to the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. We're thankful to even be blessed to have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the mind to understand, and a platform to have the, the platform to share these things, to try to blow the trumpet, to be the watchman on the wall, to sound uh, the trumpet, and to warn as many people as we can. And it's a, it's a blessing to be of service to the kingdom, to the brethren, uh, to the family of Christ, and to our our God, our Savior, and our Messiah, our King, and our Lord. And uh, what a what a blessing it is for all of us to be able to do this in this manner. Gary, yeah, my uh, closing comments are very very simple and quick. Is is my advice, you know, for people hopefully that you know we've got them to think about some things tonight and given them more information so that they continue to look down this path but start to keep watch uh, and to understand the events that are happening and they're going to happen how they're supposed to happen. And it may not happen the way we think it's going to happen because most people are surprised at the fulfillment of prophecy. And as, yeah. as silly as that sounds, just I would look at the people of Judea at the time of Jesus when they were totally caught off guard, even though they had all the prophecies, they still ignored the prophecies of Jesus because it, he didn't come in the manner that they thought he would. Right. I think there's a lesson there for us. So watch for the times, but always go back to the Bible as they're unfolding so that you can understand what's going on. Right. And even then, he told the people of his time uh, that the temple would be destroyed. There would be no stands, uh, no stone standing one upon the other. Uh, and they didn't even recognize what, a lot of them didn't recognize what he was talking about. But those that did, that recognized the signs and the seasons, uh, their lives were spared. And so this is the importance of studying the gospel now and for uh, seeking to show yourself, studying to show yourself approved because uh, really, the gospel, the truth of the word, the prophetic, uh, the prophecies contained within it, they can save your life. But more than that, they can save your your spirit, your soul, your eternal inheritance. And we can have salvation with Christ through him. And that is the whole point of all this. 
Uh, one last thing as far as give out your websites again, fellas. Uh, start with you, Devin. FOJCRadio.com. And there's a link also there for our YouTube channel. And beginning this Friday night at 6 p.m., our FOJC Remnant broadcast will be there. And we're just thankful once again. Gary, real quick. Genesis6Conspiracy.com. Gary Wayne on Facebook. We appreciate you, fellas. God bless everybody. Good night. Uh, may the Lord God watch over you and protect you and your family, your loved ones. Shalom all. Be blessed. Thank you.